Welcome to NFT Heat. We're bringing the top NFT thought leaders straight to you. If there's something you enjoyed on this episode, and we really hope you did, please take a screenshot of the episode and make sure to tag us on Twitter at NFT Heat. We really appreciate your support, and you are the only reason we're growing. So to help us, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll then give your review a shout-out on a future episode. Welcome to NFT Heat. Whether you're inside the industry or new to the NFT space or an NFT OG, we're going to provide you with the necessary NFT alpha to crush. We'll bring in the top guests and deep dive into how NFTs will transform the metaverse, DeFi, and social tokens. I'm Justin Shankro, the king of alpha. Oh, boy. I guess I am the king. Oh, boy. Here we go again, John. (laughs) From child actor to adult actor to Stanford to NFT entrepreneur, I am here with my buddy, with my co-host, with my champion, with the NFT machine, John Kraske. He was an executive in the design space, and now he's running an NFT company or two or three or four. It changes every day. He is in the trenches, learning, growing, and seeking alpha. John Drop the heat. What's going on in the NFT space today? I was thinking about taking 20 minutes off for the holidays. What do you think, Justin? That's a lot. Maybe 10 minutes. I don't know if you could take a whole 20 off. (laughs) (laughs) As you know, we're two NFT insiders that are going to bring in the top NFT thought leaders to help you learn the emerging trends and opportunities each and every week in 30 minutes or less. And we got a phenomenal guest today. Let's get into it, John. Today's guest is Sirhat A. Dodu. Founding investor of D4 Ventures, former investment banker at Goldman Sachs, and host of the Curious Learners podcast. Welcome to NFT Heat, Surat. Hi, Justin. Hi, John. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, yeah. We're thrilled to have you. And we have a fellow podcast host on this with a tremendous background in DeFi and Web3. So we're going to get into it today. And speaking of which, as you know, we're going right into our five-question lightning round with Surat to provide some alpha for our listeners. John, what's the first question? Oh, actually, sure. I got the first question. Well, yeah, you have, today you had the first question. You th- today I got the first one. All right, yeah. cool. Sir Hot, why should people care about NFTs? Well, actually, it's too big now to ignore for anyone, but that's not my real answer. So my real answer is we should, because it's I see it as a gateway between you know, Web 2 and Web 3 or fiat, crypto or real world versus metaverse. So, you know, these days you can tokenize anything and everything. So they are essential NFTs themselves, aren't they? So in that sense, I see that it's, it's pretty important. We all should care about it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Question two, favorite DeFi protocol? Well, there's a lot really, and we will get to it, I guess, on the show further, how sort of I think about it overall, but a lot that I'm following very closely, but one that I have to single out, I guess, is called Tinyman. It's relatively new. Uh, it's on Algorand. It's a decentralized trading protocol, and it's also founded by a group of Turkish people, so where I am biased a little bit. So they <laughs> try to utilize the fast and, and secure infrastructure of, of the Algorand chain, So, but we can talk about it more. Oh boy, that's some alpha right there. That's alpha. Okay, Sir Hot, is it too late for people to invest in NFTs? Well, never too late. And the one thing that I could say there is that when I see perhaps or hear about tens of thousands of people signing up for their digital wallet for the first time in their lives, I think then you realize it's not late at all. Love it. Love it. All right, Sir Hot, question four. Favorite blockchain? Well, I guess you got this already from my previous answer, but it's Algorand. 
and uh, maybe it might change in the future. But the one reason is that I'm on this blockchain course with my school, Columbia Business School right now. It's an executive sort of MBA course. And everyone is supposed to pick their network in the beginning of the course to do research and studies and write a paper on it. And I picked Algorand. So I have to stick to it now, but I love it so far. Algorand. We have not heard Algorand on the podcast yet. So that's some alpha. We'll get into it further. I know that uh, Sirhat will bring the heat. All right. Last question. 2022, we're just about to get there. It's a week away. And when this podcast airs, it probably will be 2022. What's the major investment opportunity in Web3? Is it blockchain gaming, NFTs, DeFi, or D, all of the above? I'm really sorry to disappoint you guys. I'm not going to say NFTs, but I'm a big fan of DeFi. So I'll have to go with DeFi. And coming from financial services background, having been in it for the last you know decade and longer, so it's DeFi for me. DeFi. All right. Wow, man. That was an incredible lightning round, Sirhat. That was some smoking NFT heat there. So let's get into some more questions. I actually had the pleasure of being introduced to you through our mutual friend, Alex Roenberg the NFT tax account who was on a previous episode. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into the crypto and venture capital space? No, I should thank Alex as well for connecting us. So he and I went to Goldman Sachs. So that's how we are connected as well. But my move into venture capital was a pre-planned one. So I had studied, maybe taking a step back, I studied my MBA at Columbia Business School in New York. And this was over 10 years, almost 10 years ago. And then I moved to London, joined Goldman Sachs, stayed there for almost five years. But I always had that idea of uh, going into venture capital and eventually made the move. And the one reason why I joined, you know, a venture capital firm versus another sort of investment firm, later stages or whatever. So it was, again, going back to my roots. So right after, right after college in Turkey, I had joined this startup as the fifth employee. And every day, as you can imagine, was a different, uh, you know, from the other one uh, in a good way and in a bad way, right? So that was a great experience for me being in the middle of that chaos and, and you know, achieving certain things every single day, learning about them and then exercising. So that experience stayed with me, obviously. And then when I went back to, you know, this decision-making process of, okay, what type of sort of investor should I be? It was obvious for me, early stage VC investing. Very cool. All right. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we have a fellow podcaster on this podcast. Sir Hot has a fantastic podcast of his own. Can you tell us a little bit about Curious Learners podcasts, what you discuss, and what was your inspiration for starting it? Well, thank you, Justin. You are so kind. Uh, I think it's got a long way to deserve, you know, being recognized as a fantastic podcast. So I just started a few months ago, but uh, the script was the following. So A, obviously I have been a you know, loyal podcast listener for a long time, maybe seven, eight years. So it's so part of my daily commute and, and daily routine. But eventually I wanted to do one myself for the very reason of, you know, right now I as a venture capital investor and before sort of banker and before a startup employee, I get to talk to amazing people, you know, hear about their stories. It can be founders who are just building something or founders in later stages who can sort of have great experience and share that in terms of, you know, growth hacking practices, hiring, etc., or fellow investors, right? So who actually have deep thinking into certain domains. So when I talk to them, those conversations are obviously amazing in itself and everyone, you know, has their own takeaway and Perhaps they use it, you know, in other mediums for their benefits or, or for others as well. But still, it stays 
very much limited to a very small circle or small community. And I thought, you know, there could be massive number of people out there. There could be, you know, again, founders themselves or who are just starting their journey after college, whatever, or sort of people who want to be investors who would benefit uh, quite a bit from hearing, just hearing about these conversations. And, you know, in the context of that thought, I thought I should start a podcast with that idea in mind. And as a, again, as a big sort of podcast listener, it was a big motivation itself anyways. And the other motivation and the reason why it's called Curious learners is that I have a little one, little son, who is three and a half years old now. And, you know, like any other kid at his age, he asks a lot of questions every single day, right? So why? And then he does also ask a lot of follow-ups until he gets, you know, sufficient amount of information that he feels happy with. So that's why also, you know, that, that was another spread, another reason that I had starting the Curious Learners. And I don't know if you might have seen it, but the logo has a book and a toy car on it. So those are the two favorite books, say favorite things for my son that he can spend an entire day with. And the colors as well, the color code, the logo is again his favorite color so you see i get to talk about him all the time if you give me the opportunity so that's what parents do that's great that's adorable super cute thank you well, we're going to be on hopefully like next week, Sir Hot. So we're looking Absolutely. forward to it. We will, we will do that very soon. I'm excited yeah. for it. We will bring the NFT heat to the Curious Learners podcast, no doubt. Yep. So, Sir Hot, what gets you excited as an investor? Do you invest in the founder, the idea, or both? So I don't want to be obviously dismissive of the ideation process by any means. But in today's world, you know, having had also the history, all the precedents of great companies who made it you know, as a success or not so great companies who actually had to experience the failure, right? So there is a massive amount of information where people can get inspiration from in terms of finding the right ideas. But all that matters is actual execution, right? So, and the way I think about it also, since I was involved in a in that environment myself long time ago, as I said, as a fifth employee at the startup. So imagine a place where every single decision, no matter how big or small, uh, that you make day to day, every single day, actually impacts the destiny of that particular company and the people in it. So in an environment like that, always execution is far more important than the idea itself, because the idea and ideas are there to, you know, to develop, to expand, to be refined, etc. Anyways, right? So that's why I would certainly pick, you know, if I were to pick between the two, I would certainly pick the founder. And, you know, if I were to pick a founder with a, with an average idea versus the other way around, strong founder with an average idea versus the other way around, I would certainly go with uh, with the first as well. And so far in my investing career, last few years, I've been sort of witnessing that, you know, every single day as well anyway. So it looks like it's the, it's the sort of uh, approach that I should stick to. Very cool. It makes a lot of sense. And speaking of that, following up on it, what kind of investments have you already made in the NFT space and what are your investment strategies and roadmap for 2022? So in terms of NFTs, we've invested in a, in a marketplace on Solana called Neon very recently. And it's quite an early stage investment, small investment. But more broadly, the way I think about 
sort of crypto investing strategies as follows. So obviously there is a big hype around, you know, everything going on in, in crypto, NFTs, metaverse, DeFi, etc. But, you know, sometimes we, I think all of us maybe do that. So sometimes we fall into this thinking that as if everyone is moving to metaverse and, you know, Web3 or crypto world overnight. So as if, you know, no one else is going to stay in, in the real world. So that certainly is not true. So that's why I'm actually quite fascinated by this, you know, business models who care about you know building infrastructure building hybrid business models or sort of being again that transitionary uh, or transitory you know having a transitory approach so that is sort of what i'm looking to do more of in 2022 actually I'm in the process of closing a couple, if I can, in the next uh, you know couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. And one of them is, you know, I can give sort of a talk about the idea at least, even if I can't give the company name. So one of them is a crypto index provider, right? So it's not necessarily as sexy as some of those, you know, NFTs that we would love to invest into. But the way I think about them is again you know, enabling sort of a massive adoption into crypto space, cryptocurrency investing. If you think about, you know, traditional equity markets, right? So ETFs and, you know, those sort of passive products and passive instruments enable both individuals and also institutions to be part of, you know, investing. And I guess the same will happen. And we've been seeing that, you know, in the news from ETFs and ETP accentuated products, et cetera, lately anyways. So the same will happen, I guess, in the cryptocurrency space. So that's why, you know, a business like like that is, is quite interesting for me. And we will do more of, you know, those infrastructure businesses, more of those, you know, bridging businesses, if you will. Because again, the way I think about it is that everyone is so much excited about this space. And But first, I feel like we should build, you know, the road itself, the bridges itself, the infrastructure itself before we actually let you know, massive number of people, you know, go through it or run on it, etc. So that's sort of how, how I think about it from our investment perspective. And that's what I will look to do more in the coming year. Love it. Love it. So, sir, you mentioned at the beginning this Columbia Executive MBA. Is it a blockchain class? It's a blockchain class. That's called blockchain and business beyond the hype. So it's actually a good curriculum because they try to, which I love, and we will talk about it now, I guess, they try to get to the bottom of blockchain from the very fundamentals, from the very first principle approach. And the name is already beyond the hype. So that's what they try to do anyway. So yeah, I love it so far. So is it just one class or is it a whole degree? So they do these programs which are around sort of 10, 12 week long. And okay. this is, you know, one of those. And there are sort of obviously assignments and, you know, quizzes and everything every single week that you have to deliver. But yeah, it's it's pretty useful stuff, combination of, you know, videos and summary slides and presentations. And there are some guest speakers, etc. It's working quite well. I like it. Yeah, because one of my good friends works for a major auto manufacturer and he's going to be taking the MIT blockchain class. But seems like a lot of, a lot of executives now are kind of looking for ways to sort of increase their alpha in the space. So, so obviously there is tons of sort of free resources out there as well. But when I find those in a sort of structured environment, I go for them. So that's what I like to do. Fantastic. I think we should all be taking these courses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can you I'll talk share my this? notes if I'm not violating it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Sirhat. But you're right. The structured environment is always good because there's so many resources out there. It's, it's hard to kind of maneuver through them. So you have put together a very cool framework for DeFi investing. I was reading about it and I was fascinated by it myself. Can you talk a little bit about this framework and what inspired you to put it together? 
No, thank you, Justin. You're again so kind there. But of course. it's actually a very initial version and very rough draft, to be honest, of what I want to do on that front, building as in building a DeFi protocols or DeFi projects assessment framework. And again, it's both for my own sort of mental model. When I, you know, look at those projects from an investment perspective, I can use that framework. And the reason I put it out there on the actual Substack webpage of the Curious Learners podcast is again, that spirit of, you know, sharing with others who might find it useful or equally who obviously I would love to have that feedback who might give me you know, that feedback as to how to expand on it and how to build something which will be useful for a larger number of people. So I think, again, so to before responding to that question, I should give a bit of background about myself, which might be helpful. I studied electrical engineering in undergrad, and I was sort of a, a hardcore student, and I was a good one. And in fact, I always thought I would follow the, the academics route. I would do a master's, PhD, and everything. But I got attracted by the business route very, very quickly, shortly after graduation, as I said, you know, that startup attracted me enough. So I actually postponed first and then canceled altogether a master's degree that I was going to do at Imperial in London. And, you know, when I see something new like DeFi, obviously I've been looking at it for the last, you know, one and a half year or so. It's not so much new to me, but I always want to start from the very much bottom of it. And I myself want to be able to get to the bottom of things to deeply understand what's going on, because that sort of is also apart from crypto, NFTs and everything else. That is for me, number one rule in investing, because some people obviously, you know, I don't want to judge anyone. Why would I? But uh, some people might see themselves as deal makers. But, you know, why sort of see it as more of an investor who first you know needs to understand the details of that thing that we are looking at. And with that sort of thought in mind, I thought, you know, I put together something like this. Again, so far, it's, it's just the beginning of it. But, you know, I did it for myself first. And then I wanted to share that initial version to attract some feedback. And so far, yeah, people seem to like it. Again, thank you for your feedback as well. But yeah, that's something to be developed much, much, much further. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. So you, you come from the investment banking world, having worked at Goldman Sachs. How do you envision NFTs changing the finance and investment banking world? Yeah, look, that's an interesting one, John. And that's a really good question because <laughs> for a different number of reasons, I think it is hard to penetrate into a place like, you know, Goldman Sachs of this world, you know, the way people do their job in investment banking, you know, M&A world or trading, you know, equity capital markets, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually that will happen for sure because the very fundamental, you know, offering of that finance and these institutions offer is, you know, that sort of being in the, as a trusted intermediary, isn't it? So, and I think when they, I don't think they're there right now, to be honest, it will take some time, but when people and institutions are convinced sufficiently that, you know, blockchain without a need for a trusted intermediary in the middle can actually help you do the same thing, maybe at a fraction of the cost and also in a more accelerated manner. I think they will be able to then, you know, adapt NFTs in the finance world as well. I don't see that, to be honest, happening anytime soon, but it will eventually happen. And some examples, to be honest, started to happen, right? So I saw an article a few weeks ago. I'm happy to share it with you guys uh, later on, but I think a, a trade finance agreement happened uh, in blockchain between two parties, which was quite interesting, right? So because in that 
tools, you know, using something like this is you can't imagine sort of it, there's a very, very strong barrier to do something like that in that world. And, you know, when I saw that happen, actually, I got quite hopeful that, you know, it would maybe be spread around the world. Exciting. Exciting. Well, you dropped a little bit of alpha early on in the podcast about Algorand and you've done some research on it. So the question was mostly about NFTs, where are the big opportunities in NFTs, metaverse, gaming, and enterprise-driven solutions. And I still want that answer from you, but I would also love it if you could perhaps explain a little bit of the Algorand chain and why you're bullish on it, and maybe a little bit even more specifically about this one DeFi protocol you mentioned earlier. Sure. Thank you, Justin, for that opportunity to talk about Algorand again. So look, the very sort of initial research that I did on Algorand, what I saw was, so they are purely proof of stake consensus model, right? So, and that very first thing that I saw is very much, in fact, in line with who I am, to be honest. And that's also reflected in my investment approach. So I invest in this concept of financial inclusion, not necessarily DeFi or crypto, but also traditional finance as well. So for example, I do invest in merchant financing platforms. I do invest in in consumer loan sort of apps, which actually, you know, try to give access to every single individual or every single merchant to those credit products, right? So to loan products when they so that they can access them when they need it. So with that sort of in mind, so when I compare at least, you know, the proof of stake to proof of work, it seems to sort of level the playing field, proof of stake, right? Because in the proof of their concept, you know, the more powerful sort of computers, if you will, right, so our favorites, and also, you know, who can actually afford to buy them, who can actually afford to install them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when you think about those very fundamental sort of nodes who actually get to validate, we are getting into technicals here, but who actually get to validate, you know, the transactions and stuff. So in the proof of stake consensus model, I see that everyone is sort of equal, obviously, pro rata, their ownership, right, their tokens. And that was the very first sort of attachment that I I had to Algorand, to be honest, and also the fact that they're trying to solve this trilemma of speed, scalability, and security, and all at the same time, just how they are designed to do, to be honest, that's what they are designed to do. And that was sort of the second big thing for me, why, you know, Algorand could be interesting. And, and they are, again, so building an ecosystem of, you know, various applications in their ecosystem, in their network. And one thing, tiny man that I gave in the beginning is a trading protocol, which, again, is aiming to lower the fees and sort of making it accessible to anyone and everyone who wants to be part of it. And in fact, that sort of access point was one of those 10 key uh, pillars that I put in my DD uh, framework as well, which I see it uh, as pretty important. So yeah, with that in mind, so Algorand seems to be promising. Obviously, you know, you build one thing as the supplier of it, but you know, there needs to be consumers on the other end as it would be in any other business. So I guess for Algorand, they will be hopefully able to catch up on the other side of things. But yeah, it's, it's an exciting journey for them. And in terms of, I think, the biggest opportunities for NFTs. So as I said in the beginning, NFTs, I guess when we say NFTs these days, people seem to think about these, you know, digital art and collectibles and gaming perhaps to some extent. But actually, it can be anything, right? So it can be, you know, contracts, loan contracts, as we discussed briefly, it can be membership tickets. John, I know you are fascinated with that, yeah. right? So, or play to earn, which is again, another craziness these days. So I see, you know, if I sort of collect them all together, I guess, you know, of the few things that you mentioned, Metaverse is probably the biggest coming in the years to come. In 
in 2022 and beyond. But the enterprise solutions, as we discussed briefly in the investment banking related question as well, they usually lack consumer adoption, don't they? So I think they will sort of wait and see, you know, until sort of it is big enough that they won't be able to ignore it anymore and then they will have to adapt. And, you know, with, you know, no offense on them, obviously, a lot of those uh, banks and big institutions are putting together their task forces and making significant number of hires to, you know, they're trying to attract talent from that world to build their in-house practices. But in terms of, you know, turning all of that into an enterprise offering, it will take some time until they, I guess, feel 100% comfortable with it. They will wait and research and develop and everything, but it will take some time. Wow. I mean, I feel like the benchmark has been set today. This was a masterclass. This honestly should be a class at Columbia in itself right here. That's right. uh, This was amazing. So, Sarah, what is the best way for people to follow you or find you? Well, that's a great question, John. Thank you again for the opportunity. I'm on LinkedIn, quite active on LinkedIn. So they can find me there. And also my Substack page for the curious learners. I can drop it here if you, if there's a way to share it with your listeners. And those two are the easiest ways to connect with me. I'm also on Twitter, but it's not very active yet. But I will be, I will try to be more active there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send us your Substack link for sure. We'll share that on all our uh, social media posts when we promote the show, which will probably drop in about a week. So this was fantastic, actually. We really appreciate all your fantastic insights in Alpha. Until next week, when another NFT thought leader pops in with more Alpha, get collecting, learning, and growing. We're NFT Heat. A huge thank you to two of the creative engines behind this show. First, to LaFlex for the super smooth intro and outro music. What you're hearing is the song Love to You off his 2019 album Flex Appeal. And lastly, a big thank you to Bernardo Rodriguez for the awesome logo for the show. You can check him out on Instagram at Art of Bernardo. Everyone, we just want to give you a massive thank you for listening to NFT Heat. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at NFT Heat, and we're looking forward to seeing you next week. Yeah.